0: Welcome to another episode of the Leaders in Education podcast, the official podcast for the Charlevoix-Emmet Intermediate School District, featuring Voices in Education. My name is Mike Haynes, and I'm the Director of Instructional Services at the Charlevoix-Emmet Intermediate School District. Today, it's my pleasure to be talking with Jim Sporlater, consultant, speaker, author, trainer, youth trauma expert, and former principal of Lincoln High School in Walla Walla, Washington, where, under Jim's leadership, the school became a trauma-informed school, gaining recognition, nationally and featured in the award-winning documentary, Paper Tigers, which tells a story about Jim's work creating a nationally recognized trauma-informed school. Jim, thank you for talking with me today. It's a a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Mike. So I'd like to start uh, by asking you if you could share a little bit about your story and what led you to where you are today.
1: Well, uh, I would say that I was one of those kids Growing up, uh, I, I, I had a, I know I had ADHD, but there, that, 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 that term wasn't wasn't used yeah, I mean, at the time. But uh, uh, really, um, suffered in class. Uh, felt that uh, I was stupid, and uh, uh, that came out in my behavior. And having a father who was a minister. Uh, getting calls from school about my behavior, uh, uh, spare the rod, spoil the child in that that time. And so uh, uh, I I just, I had a lot of struggles and a lot of guilt. Uh, I I felt like I I knew I needed to be better, but Mm -hmm. but being better was just uh, a real struggle. And it actually was coming from the frustration i was having in the classroom and uh so that that uh really filled up my earlier years of elementary school and then fortunately uh because my dad was just a great dad spent a lot of time with me um i, I was gifted athletically and once i got the junior high uh my behavior Changed one eighty, and, and right. uh, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do anything that would would put me at risk of mm-hmm. not playing the game. But the sense of um, feeling stupid mm-hmm. and uh, those frustrations uh, were always there. And uh, as I went to college to become a PE teacher, uh, uh, when I I, I I did my student teaching at the junior high school that I actually went to and it was the same principal when I went there to start and uh I'll never forget I went in there and uh he hit me up with uh Jim we we wouldn't be serving you right unless we didn't put you in a classroom and I, I did everything I could to hide my panic but uh uh I tried to let them know how bad they needed me in PE, but the thought of going into a classroom and teaching just was mortifying. And uh, he he went through the different subjects, and, and uh, finally he said social studies. I thought, well, geez, like maybe I can do that. And uh, so he took me down and introduced me to the social studies teacher. And on the way down, he said. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it to you, but, uh, it's a special ed classroom and, you know, internally I thought, Oh no, not those kids. Uh, you know, they they were always, uh, in the mobile units at the very back of the school. Mm -hmm. But once I got in, uh, got rolling, I fell in love with those kids and, uh, Ended up getting my special ed degree so that I I I I, I could uh, be in the classroom, and I had no interest in uh, BE, and and so just the the love and the struggle Mm -hmm. that I I was able to experience with those kids and and, uh, the impact they had on my life um, was just such a was a motivator that stayed with me and uh i always appreciated uh being being with those special ed kids oh. and again um the, the the intent is to have impact and help them but uh the impact on me from from the kids was was greater and that I said I would never go into administration, but, uh, I ended up going into administration and, uh, uh, again, uh, wanting to be that voice for kids that was encouraging and, um, kind of, kind of what I wished I would have heard as a sure. kid. And, uh, but, uh, well, one of the interesting parts about that is that, um, you know we we know only what we know and i was brought up you know during that time where discipline was was uh pretty black and white and, and so my discipline uh what was, was tri- traditional but i would have told you that i don't punish kids because that means you hurt kids mm-hmm. and so i always wanted my discipline to teach and that's what uh led me when i when i got to lincoln that led me to uh uh, i went to a conference that was the first time i ever heard about toxic stress uh what it does to the brain and uh, uh i never have been able to get to identify exactly what happened to me in that 90 minutes, I, I say I was hit by a bolt of lightning, but uh, uh, somehow uh, Dr. John Medina, was, he, t- he turned me upside down. And uh, in 90 minutes uh, of his keynote, I somehow became extremely aware that my discipline was punishment, not, <laughs> not uh Teaching. And so when I got back to Lincoln, I shared with the staff uh, things are going to look differently. Um, I, I, I'm going to approach discipline differently. And, and that started that journey.
0: Wow. I'm always fascinated to hear people's story and what got them, especially folks like yourself that are so humble um, but have such great experiences. It sounded like you really found your calling and, you know, that it intersect, It really supported what happened as a you know with your experiences as a child. And I wanted to ask you. So you said by middle school or junior high, uh, you had sort of gotten out of that phase where you didn't love school. Um, what was was there one was there one thing you could point at that made that difference? Was it just you and you got fired up to change, or or was it an adult
1: or, or what happened? Uh, it was it was Coach Cook. Um, <laughs> he was about. 6'5, 280 pounds, and played for the Los Angeles Rams in the 50s. And uh, back in the day, in PE, a lot of the discipline was done in PE. And I I had uh, gotten kicked out of a art class. And uh teacher just sent me out, and I had to sit outside the door. And I thought, well, this is no big deal, you know. Oh. And uh, by the time I got to PE and <laughs> we were lined up on our markers, all of a sudden Coach Cook turns the corner and he had a paddle on his shoulder. And I thought, wow. oh boy, I sure feel for whoever's going to get that. And uh, he called out my name and I was shaking so bad I could hardly wow. move. But uh, he was aware that I got kicked out of art class. And boy, he. He really ringed me wow. verbally about uh, if I'm gonna be an athlete at Sandberg Junior High School, then uh uh that behavior was inappropriate and if I was gonna be that type of person, they didn't want me. I mean it was pretty mil like a military type thing, but mm-hmm. uh uh and then he gave me a good swat uh front of the class and I could hear it coming I could hear it whistling and uh it's the last time I ever had a behavior issue, uh, again, and uh, so I'd say uh, Coach Cook turned my uh, turned me around pretty quickly sure. with that SWAT. I've
0: I've heard some other people talk about that one caring adult that can that has the power to change a student's life or trajectory. It sounds like he did that. It sounds like you. Then you since then. You learned that that kind of punishment wasn't the, what you felt like you wanted to support and um, found some other non-traditional ways, which is obviously why, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, about uh, why that school became so well-known and synonymous with trauma. Yeah, you form. know, his
1: words hurt more than the paddle. Yeah, interesting. You know, I, I didn't want to be that person that he was describing. And so
0: That's great. It's amazing that you had it within you then at that age to step up and change. So you literally wrote the book on how to become a trauma-informed school. And I can tell it's one born out of your history and your own experience, but um, the trauma-informed school is a step-by-step guide for school, schools to uh, do this. What does it mean uh, to be a trauma-informed school? How, and, and how can that book that, that you wrote, the step-by-step guide, help with that? Yeah, that's
1: a great question, Mike. and. Um... With the experience that, that i've had and, and i i train out of that book a lot and because uh, because of the trauma-informed movement that we've experienced mm-hmm. in the last i'm gonna say 10 years um we had such great momentum moving forward and people were getting trauma-informed um professional development but it became more of an in and out type model, and, mm-hmm. and so, uh, I, I'm I don't like to use the word trauma informed anymore. I, I I try to use trauma responsive, so so that we take the information that, that we receive and then put it into action. Sure. Um, jane stevens who started uh aces too high now it's paces um uh, my my first year of retirement uh she uh, i was i was in sacramento and i looked her up and we went to lunch and she told me she said you've got to write a book at that t- at that time uh schools were just starting to look mm-hmm. at it you know, have you and uh so she's the one that gave me the motivation to write the book um which I did but I'm not a writer and uh uh I I, I ran into Heather Forbes and and her being an author and and I told her I have a book but I'm not I'm not a writer and uh it wasn't for Heather uh she took my book and uh, she she's told me she says you got great content. We just got to make it look pretty. <laughs> so you know we had an illustrator and what have you, and uh, so so she 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 helped me put that together, okay. and uh, so I'm extremely grateful for for that. And the the book uh, at the time. Was the only book on the market that actually shared how how to the how to, mm-hmm. and I, I did honestly we never we never knew that we were the first school in the country to do it, so uh, that was never on our radar. Right. We were, you know, it's I brought back what I had learned from the conference, and then we started. Uh, getting some staff development, which came from the mental health community. We didn't have any Mm -hmm. educators. So, uh, but the the book, uh, the purpose of the book really is to show the simplicity of implementation. It's not, I always say it's not rocket science. And sometimes we think things have to be real difficult, time-consuming principals don't have the time to add tons of stuff to their plate Mm -hmm. and so my goal and my uh, it's always my hope is that the book provides simplicity that a principal with all that they have on their plate or she has on her plate can look at it and say we can do this yeah
0: so 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 if you uh, were to extract out of the book you know what are the two or three or four things that you would say would be indications of a trauma-informed or trauma-responsive school.
1: I think the emphasis that we have put on regulation that we've got to get our kids regulated mm-hmm. before we can move them. And that was the biggest change for me is I was bringing kids into my office, highly escalated and depending on the day, I could end up getting triggered and, uh, I, I'd be a little, you know, I, I'd have, I'd have a kid come into Lincoln and just say, I know you're going to F and, uh, suspend me for two days. Why don't you make it three? And if I was triggered, I'd say, you got it. You know, I mean, <clears throat> so once I learned about toxic stress and what it does to the brain, I, uh, brought kids i I wouldn't talk to a kid if they were escalated but i would tell them why Hmm. and and so we started incorporating these types of strategies and uh i i'll I'll never forget the first kid that came in my office and when i when i first got lincoln wasn't called Lincoln at the time it was when i first went over it was called uh pain alternative campus and Hmm. uh the fu was just out of control to any request from anybody of of authority. And, uh, I had to get, it was overwhelming. I, I had to try to get my hands on that and I, it was an automatic three day suspension. And, uh, uh, I'll never forget when I came back from that conference and the first kid that came into my office that had just told his teacher to F off. And I, instead of telling them, uh, why, why that's inappropriate why that we don't treat him that way and uh and and we don't treat any student that way and we're there to teach them and they use that when they get out into the workforce they're going to get fired and and, you know here i thought i was teaching these life lessons you know and and even after the when i told them you're out for three days i'd say when you come back the slate's clean you know which now I think back, how ridiculous. But anyway, <laughs> uh, when the kid walked in, I told him, I said, wow, you're really, really upset. I can tell I'm gonna talk to you when you calm down. And I said, I'm gonna give you an area for you to calm down. And then, and then we're gonna discuss this. And I said, I care too much about you uh, to talk to you when you're this upset. Uh, Because I want to make a good, I want to make a good decision. Sure. And um, at first, when I started using that approach, kids had never heard (laughs) any any principal saying that, and so some would even tell me, "Well, I'm not going to calm down." And I'd say, "You know, we're going to take some time and and ten minutes. You know, they were calm where I could bring them in. And this one young man that 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 I brought in. uh, just goes, spoiler, I'm just so pissed today. And uh, he even kind of hit his hands on the table mm. and, and I said, well, what's going on? And uh, my gosh, he told me about his dad. Uh, his said, my dad's a drunk and he's failed me all my life and started telling me his story. And mm. I'm just thinking in my head, I don't even make it to school today. And on, on that particular day, it was his birthday, he just turned 16, and his dad had called him and told him he was going to sneak a car over in the middle of the night. And, uh, and then when he woke up that day to run and look out in front of the house, and his car would be there. And, and he said, uh, I got up early and I ran out and no car. And he, and he just goes, he did it to me again. And, and uh, but while I was, while I was talking yeah. with him, I could see him coming down. And uh, obviously I was impacted by the story. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I just said, Jared, I, I'm so sorry. I never I, 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 never knew this about you and your dad. And I said, it must be so hurtful. And, uh, and I told him, I said, you know, you guys are used to me suspending you on the FUs, and I said I want to do the discipline in school. And uh, I'll never, I'll, I'll never forget. I, he just he wanted to. Make, he goes, I feel horrible. It wasn't about Terry. He goes, I need to apologize. And uh, and then before he got up to leave my office, he turned around and he said, "Thanks, Breider, for talking to me. It really helped." And I realized that all I did was acknowledge his feelings. I, I, it wasn't a conversation. Sure. You know, I, I listened and uh, I was so impacted by that. And, and it hit me, how many kids have I had come in the office that I gave them their three day suspensions and gave them my little life story <laughs> lesson. And I never knew the story behind it. And, uh, people will ask me, well, how long did it take for this to work or whatever? It worked with the first kid and it worked with the kids afterwards. As soon as I started working with kids that were mm-hmm. regulated and I made sure I was regulated, we started to hear the stories. And, yeah. and, and my teachers would come into my office and shut the door and go, oh my, my God, I had an incident with so-and-so today and, and we had a chance to sit down and talk and, oh my goodness, we got to get them some support. They're going through this or that. And, or a kid, I just found out this, their family's homeless right now. How can we help them? And, uh, it, it was just, the momentum just kept sure. picking up. It, it, it was, uh, it was, a, it was such an incredible experience.
0: It, it's just incredible for me to hear that story and think about how you just on the you pivoted uh, you know based on what you had experienced what you had learned and to be empathetic like that and to see that shift so quickly um, that says a lot about you know the kind of leader you must have been uh, at that school and I, you mentioned regulated, I know a lot of folks listening to this will will have heard regulation or being regulated or dysregulated, and that seems like that's one of the more later or more recent um, buzzwords in, in the work we do in education, but it 's so critical and it's amazing that that long ago you had been keying in on that and realizing that it took letting the kid become more regulated before they could even listen so that it's a great experience. Um, so, what are some what are some ways that school staff can be trained to recognize and respond to students in in trauma situations or having difficulties? Uh, well,
1: I, I'm going to put it into just a simple phrase, and that that is, uh, and I train I train I train on this, and I haven't changed the title, and I don't plan to. <laughs> And it's understanding the power of one. Mm. And where the research is so powerful in showing us that the power that a caring adult can have on that student's life. Mm. And if I know that through a caring adult relationship, I have the opportunity to help a student Come from hopelessness to hope, and we know that through the caring adult relationship with our students, that that's where the modeling of resilience happens. Mm-hmm. And if I understand that, then I want to be that. And so it's the power of one, that, as I under, understood that, and wanting to be that. Then, as a school, we seek positive connections with every student that we come into contact with. And yes, we're going to get rejection from a lot of kids, but we don't stop. We keep coming mm-hmm. back with positive interactions. Uh, you know, Aaron, who was kind of the lead in the drama program when you watch Paper Tigers and so musically and artistically talented. When he first came to us as a freshman, he would isolate himself with his head between his legs, sitting down the hallway. It's sticking those kids out and walking by and saying, Aaron, so happy to have you here at school today. You're not gonna get a response at first, uh, but it's that, creating that atmosphere, we don't let people go isolate. We, we go to right. them and, and share that we're happy to have them at school. And so, um, if I, it, I get a little frustrated because, you know, when I go out and train on this, I can do a training on the power of one and I can, and somebody will come up and say, so what are the strategies? And it's the power of one. Uh, wanting to be that one and then making that my right. uh, main focus. Uh, and, and you know, again, you, you're going some kids are going to connect and you're going to, that relationship's going to build quicker. Some, mm-hmm. it's going to take some time. And, uh, but it's the consistency of keep coming back. And, uh, I remember a kid telling me, uh, uh, you don't love me, Cause, you know. Because we would tell the kids, you know, we love you. He'd say, "You don't love me," and I said, "Tyler, I I accept your feelings and how you're feeling." So I said, "I got feelings too," and I I, I said, "My feeling is, I love you," <laughs> uh, and, I, and I, I I said, "You're not going to change that," and so some kids take a little bit longer, mm-hmm. and uh, but a whole school can turn their culture and start seeing positive outcomes just by understanding that I want to be the power of one and the only way I can be the power of one is I have I have to understand my regulation so uh, teachers have a lot on their plates and a lot going on but we have to if we understand the power of one then we calm ourselves mm-hmm. Before we start having those
0: action. that's so insightful, and it also sounds painfully simple, right? It just due to other, you know, treat others the way you would want to be treated, right? And 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 I've heard not, other people talk about that. You know, yeah, a dysregulated adult, so an adult who's keyed up about whatever happened, is not able to regulate a student, right? We know that time and time again. So that's a great point you made that once you understand it, how it affects yourself, you can then help students.
1: And the example you gave is, is, is that's when I, when, when I make it more about me than the kid. Yeah. And then then I I, I, I miss that opportunity because right. we know a regulated adult with a dysregulated student has the ability to bring them down to regulate Mm -hmm. and also a comedor represents safety which draws connection but when i make it about myself then that draws disconnection and i've lost that opportunity
0: well you've clearly established a a reputation for being able to share this strategy or this mindset And, and it's you know there are folks that countless folks that i know have benefited from learning the lessons that you've shared Um, if you were talking with parents or teachers or really any adult caring for a child what would be two or three things that you'd want them to know about supporting students when they're experiencing trauma or when they're dysregulated What, what are two or three things that you'd want them to think of
1: well well one thing that, that and again I, I'm gonna to go to the research and the research tells us that most people who are impacted by trauma do not they do not feel like they have a voice hmm. and by not having a voice they feel they don't feel empowered. And so what I always share is is when we listen to the voice and validate it that sends a message to the student or to the adult that we're talking to that you're important to me Mm -hmm. and when i acknowledge their feelings and what they're sharing i send the message and validate that i that that, that i i hear them Mm -hmm. and and then i that's where i can I, i can show my compassion and then what and then I ask what can I do for you that will mm-hmm. help you? Do it? And that that really empowers that other person. Um when we talk about trauma informed schools, uh like I said, I I I've transitioned <laughs> uh to be trauma responsive, but the power of one is is for every kid Mm -hmm. so it's not it's not uh i always say we can't we can't try to pinpoint who's trauma and who's not because Mm -hmm. uh your most compliant student can be your most traumatized student you don't know right right. And, and so uh through the power of one who does not benefit from a caring adult relationship? Uh, you, you know, I think 80% of teachers, when you ask them uh, to list the top five people in their lives, they all uh, list the teachers one those mm-hmm. five. Yeah, And they don't have to have come from a toxic environment to have that impact. So... Uh, I always say if if I know the power one, that's who I want to be. Then I'm I'm not looking at oh, is he trauma or is it not trauma? Right. Is this manipulation? No. I, I'm I'm going to do whatever I can to make those connections.
0: Sounds like what you're talking about is harnessing the or nurturing relationships, right? Uh, and I,
1: yeah, that, that's the whole the whole goal
0: yeah and i and that even aligns and that obviously aligns with the research on trauma even like like children from birth to three the relationships that they are able to engage with with their parents or other caring adults have a dramatic, a dramatic effect on their ability to to deal with relationships and others throughout life. So that, that's just incredibly um, interesting. And I, so I hear you say in terms of advice for parents or teachers or adults, give students a voice, um, show that you care, listen to them, empower them, keep yourself regulated when you're working with them, even though you may not feel like you are going to be uh, regulated. So those are the things that seem to rise to the surface. Is that, would that be what you say? Yeah, I
1: mean, as a, as a parent of three daughters, uh, and being an administrator, before I came on this and discovered this incredible research and information, it was, uh, it was, dad ruled the (laughs) roost. And, uh, uh, I was, I was, I could be pretty harsh on my girls and, uh. A- a- after I made the shift I-, I-, I took each one out for for a dinner date and uh, felt that I needed to I just shared with them hey man I was kind of I-, I was a little hard-nosed sometimes and I just said if I've caused you any pain wow. I, I want to ask for forgiveness and uh, you know the- thing about our kids they love us unconditionally you know Mm -hmm. uh, but to this day every now and then one of them will say hey dad you got any guilt that you want to take (laughs) us out to dinner on or (laughs) but uh but I felt it important enough to do that with my own kids I just said hey uh, I didn't have the information back then that I have now and uh I hope I didn't cause any pain sure,
0: in the life. Sure. So Paper Tigers, which a lot of our listeners have uh, heard of, have, have seen, um, really tells this story about your transformation yourself and how you helped transform your staff to carry, into demonstrating their caring for students and helping students regulate and, and approaching challenging situations and students in trauma in different ways than the traditional school had. Um, Any other big takeaway that you uh, would would share from that experience as the principal of that school?
1: Well, you know, first we weren't we weren't looking for national attention. You know, uh, Jane Stevens wrote an article about our school and the results. I'm a big data guy so I, I, I had all the data and to show the change, I mean, mm-hmm. in one year's time, the change that we saw was incredible. But, uh, you know, she wrote an article that went viral. Uh, that ended up attracting Jamie Redford. Uh, to be honest with you, I, when he called me about coming for a visit to our school, I, my, obviously, I you know, I accepted the offer to come but uh, I, I was very guarded about somebody coming in and doing any kind of filming of our kids and uh, it, it's funny as J- Jamie and I became close friends and I, I told him, I said two days you came to Lincoln I was watching you and the film crew <laughs> like a hawk to see whether to give you access or not. And, and he laughed and said well I was watching you to see how you interacted with kids and uh but it didn't take didn't take long for me to see jamie and the film crew just had a natural ability they 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 would turn away from me and and just start talking to the Mm -hmm. kids and uh i could see the compassion and and the care there so that ended up being a pretty easy win over yeah uh and and then uh and I've always felt Paper Tiger is about is about the kid. It's not about, you know. Sure, we've created the culture, but it's to see how those students developed and grew. And uh, uh, another interesting, inter- I think Paper Tiger drove the national conversation hmm. in schools. Definitely. And what's been interesting, Mike, is that that came out in twenty fifteen, and you know my first few years out you'd say how many of you have seen paper tigers you know 80 of the people if not more would raise their hands now you go out and ask how many have seen it and it can be 30 to 40 percent mm. and uh, in that amount of time there's been so much turnover right that, uh, paper tigers i, I believe is going to make a comeback and kind of maybe help us get that momentum back and Mm -hmm. drive that conversation. Well, I
0: definitely, yeah, and and I'm glad to hear that. And I don't know, I'd like to ask your opinion on this. Um, Some folks have suggested that with all the downsides of the pandemic, one of the things that it did for us is it put a spotlight on some of the things that we maybe as in general hadn't noticed, like students that were dealing with trauma and uh, adverse experiences that maybe didn't surface because they went home, and we didn't we didn't have a a mirror into their home like we did when we had students online, or or students that didn't have access to resources, and and immediately were cut off. And so, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think we've learned something from the pandemic? Did the pandemic help
1: us evolve uh, in this space at all? My, my personal feeling is is the pandemic became a huge stumbling block um never have teachers or administrators been in the situation that they were Mm -hmm. um we didn't have face-to-face contact it's all we could do but we know that the computer is probably the worst tool for instruction that 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 you can provide so we, we've got all these kids with these Chromebooks, but I think what was forgotten is the kids that were in these toxic environments. Mm-hmm. Where, where were they going to sit and, and concentrate, right? And, and engage in a lesson. And so, uh, and when you look when you look at child abuse cases, that during COVID they almost came down to zilch. I mm-hmm. mean. It's because the mandatory reporter was not a part of their lives. Yeah. So when our, when we got our kids back, the behaviors—I mean, the behaviors—are extreme. I don't. We can't downplay the behaviors that have come back into the school after COVID. Right. right. But but in the I'd say that first year back, we had teachers that 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 were are very dysregulated because of their own stress, and when you have dysregulated teachers with dysregulated kids, it's not a good mix. Mm-hmm. And at that first year, nobody wanted staff development. You know, they were just trying to get survive, you know, right? Survive. Yeah. And, and, and so now, I now I, I see things calming as far as. Uh, Teachers and administrators are now starting to say, uh, "We got to get some help."
0: Sure,
1: but uh, uh, we got we have some very very uh, hurtful kids out there mm-hmm. that, that that need a lot of help, and it's going to take a very caring staff to help get their brains settled down. I, I think they're still reeling from right. the absence.
0: Well what a better time then for you to be sharing your experiences and your expertise with with educators so so that we can all become um, more trauma responsive uh, and 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 understand the value of that that caring adult for every student and I just so I appreciate you know the work that you've done Jim I, I'm humbled by everything that you've talked about and your experiences and even to hear you talk about, you know, you didn't expect Paper Tigers to become a nationally recognized uh, documentary, but, you know, just because of all the great work that you did, um, it helped a lot of kids. And it was so great to hear you talk, you had to have students that became, are now teachers uh, at that school. That's just an incredible story. I think we could probably talk for hours about about those stories. Um, But again, I want to thank you for your time. Yeah, is there anything else you'd like to add?
1: I just guess I, I think when people, I've always felt this, that, uh, what, what keeps the fire burning within me is that there's Lincoln kids everywhere. And, and so I, I think that's the power of Jamie's creativity mm-hmm. in producing that film was, uh, people that watch it say those are our kids. That's the power of it. And, yeah. uh, and I don't know of any school that has truly, uh, implemented trauma responsive practices that hasn't, uh, experienced the same outcomes that we did. Uh, discipline goes down. Yeah, Everything that you want to see go down, goes down and everything that you want to see go up, goes up. Uh, some of it takes a little bit of time, but, but it, it, it will come. And, uh, well, you sure. know, when I first went to we changed the name, but when I first went over to paying, you know, it was an eighteen percent graduation rate. Well it took us a while, but as we changed our practices, you know, it went up to seventy nine percent. So uh it if, if people could embrace that and right. And, right. and again the biggest challenge is is I've got to truly understand that uh, I've got to keep myself regulated if I want to touch the lives of these kids. that's
0: great advice, so, and Jim. Again, I, th- I thank you for everything you're doing to to help all of us become better uh, at the work that we do, working with students, supporting educators, and so. Thank you for having this conversation, and I again, I'd love to connect with you again in the future if you're willing. And uh, absolutely. I'm so looking forward to sharing uh, some of your great inspirational words with, with the folks around here uh, as they think about starting the year in another month or so, and welcoming students that are gonna come from all walks of experiences and um, great great things that you've shared that we should be thinking about. So thank you so much.
1: Yeah, well, thank, thank you, Mike, and thank you for the work that you do. We're, we're all on the same team, so. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah important that we support each
0: other thank you thank you for listening to the leaders in education podcast please check out our archive for past episodes and remember the great thing about learning is that you never have to stop